Well, as Brian already reminded us, today we hit the home stretch of this series we started 2014 with called Give, Pray, Fast. We come to the last of these disciplines. And basically, if you haven't been with us, this series was born straight out of Matthew chapter 6, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus highlights these three practices that are going to be a part of a disciple's life as we pursue Christ. And one of the things we've been reminding ourselves of every week, actually, uh, about these disciplines, if you're following on your notes there, is when we give, pray, and fast, as Jesus teaches, it brings reward. It brings reward. Now, these disciplines we're talking about are not burdens. They're not duties that we're supposed to do. These are disciplines the Father has given us as a way to commune more intimately with Him. They're an invitation to experience a deeper relationship with Him. And this morning, I want to start our two-week discussion on the reward of fasting. I feel like every time, quite honestly, I say the word fasting, there should be some ominous organ music playing, right? Like, dun-dun-dun, here we go. Because we don't like to think a lot about fasting as American Christians, do we? It's just a, not a part of our, our vocabulary. Giving and praying, fine, yes, but fasting, can't we just like Thomas Jefferson did, cut this part of the Bible out of our, out of our Bibles? And the answer, of course, is no. And I've thought about this in my own life. It's not like I woke up one day and I'm like, yay, fasting, right? I mean, I can't wait to, to do that, although that can happen over time. And the reason I've thought a lot about this, I've come to this conclusion, maybe the reason we ignore fasting so much is because it's the discipline we need the most. We are declaring war on shallow Christianity as a church, beginning with ourselves, beginning with me, beginning with you. And I don't wonder if fasting isn't the very thing we need to do in our lives to do that. The reason fasting isn't talked much about anymore, become kind of obsolete in the evangelical church, I, I would say there's two reasons, really. One of them is a historical reason. Fasting, over time, kind of developed a bad reputation in many traditions because what happened is that it began to stress the outward form of religion. In other words, what I mean is fasting started to become a list of do's and don'ts. We love doing that as humans, don't we? A list of do's and don'ts, and here's how to do it the right, here, right way, and here's how to not do it the right way. And this sort of originated way back in the Middle Ages with some monks who took it to a whole nother extreme, something called asceticism. Have you ever heard of this? Where you just deny yourself in the most extreme ways as a way to sort of impress God, to earn God's favor, to earn God's love and attention. And of course, in our tradition, the Protestant tradition, there was a pushback against that kind of mentality because we are not saved by works of the law like fasting. We are saved through faith by grace alone. However, what happens is during this pushback, the baby kind of got thrown out with the bathwater and things like fasting and other disciplines like this. We started not doing them. However, what's interesting is the very people who taught us this wonderful truth that we are saved by grace through faith alone, they themselves fasted. I mean, it was a regular part of their life. So what's happened since then in the church today that we no longer fast? Understand, fasting will not earn anything for you in God's eyes. There's no earning about fasting. It's not a punishment that you inflict upon yourself to gain God's favor. We have been saved graciously by God's hand, by his work. However, however, there still is something to fasting I think we need to reclaim. 
Of course, the second reason, this is much more obvious, I think, in our culture today, that we don't talk about fasting, is because we live in a society that worships at the shrines of golden arches. Five ninety-five, all-you-can-eat buffets. Temples filled with pizza. I mean, let's just be honest. Fasting seems so out of place with the times, doesn't it? We are brought up on TV with commercials, advertisements, billboards, everything, radio, telling us if you don't have three large meals a day and snacks in between, you are on the verge of starvation. And we buy into that and go, supersize me. i got to have more and more. And we have basically bought into this belief that whatever I want, I should get. I should satisfy my appetites, my desires. Paul talked about the danger of this in Philippians 3, where he he warns of, of people who have made their bellies their God. They've made their stomach their God. And he's not just talking about food. That's certainly involved. He's talking about all the things of the world we just go after and we worship. We make them our highest priority. And he reminds us we are citizens of heaven, though. We're citizens of heaven. That's This earth is not our home. Ultimate satisfaction is not our home. Ultimate satisfaction comes only as in our citizens in heaven, in our relationship with the Lord, which is an eternal dwelling place for us. Friends, I just would say, fasting is a really great opportunity for us to remind ourselves that, isn't it? To remind ourselves we don't need to always listen to the messages we're given in this world that I need that, I need that, I need that to be happy. Fasting reminds us what we really need. That's why the list of people in the Bible who fasted, I mean, talk about a who's who's list. Have you ever seen some of this? I mean, my antenna's not always up for fasting in the Bible, but if you've ever read it, you can see Moses fasted, Hannah, David, Elijah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Daniel on numerous occasions. The people of Nineveh fasted, for crying out loud. They even made the cattle fast, involuntarily, no doubt, but their cows didn't eat either. The Christians, I love this, the Christians at Antioch, when they sent Paul and Barnabas off on their missionary journey, you know what they did? They fasted. They fasted in preparation of that. And oh, by the way, Jesus doesn't just talk about fasting. He started his entire earthly ministry with 40 days of fasting. So, if that's true, here's what I would say to you if you're on your notes. If all these people fasted, We need to reclaim the practice of fasting in the church today. We need to reclaim this. I don't want you to sit here this morning with a sense of dread in your stomach. Fasting, I'm going to tell you right up front, can be an experience of great joy. The Father wants to reward us as his children in this discipline. So can we start the reclamation project beginning today and just going to finish this tomorrow? We're going to look by doing that at Jesus' very words on the subject, just like we've done with giving and praying. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verse 16, starting in verse 16. And if you didn't bring a Bible, you can always grab one of the black ones in the seat in front of you there, and I believe this is on page 678, 678. So while you're turning there, uh, let's pray. Lord, we're entering, for many of us, into some foreign ground, this idea of fasting, this idea of denying ourselves. And yet, Lord, uh, there is something powerful here I think you want us to reclaim as your church. So we pray that uh, you would go before us now, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to see 
to see why this might be a thing we could practice together as your people, as your disciples. Encourage us this morning with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's start uh, by reading verse 16 together, uh, out loud if you would on our notes there. So let's see that. It says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. And I'll continue. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. I'm going to finish this section here, verses 17 and 18. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. My goal for us this morning is two things. First, I just want to talk about what fasting is. Let's just get a definition out on the table, what fasting is. Is it what the video we're talking about? I mean, what do we think of when we think of fasting? The second thing I want to really cover is why I think we should reclaim this amazing gift of fasting today. Next week, Jeff is going to come and teach a little bit more on the how of fasting and the when of fasting. And I want to invite you back right now. I have a sense of anticipation because we're going to talk about perhaps fasting together as a church in preparation for Easter. I think God might want to do something great in our midst. So I invite you back to that. But right now, let's first talk about what is fasting. And to do that, I want to first talk about what it's not because that's kind of how Jesus goes after it here in these verses. And the first thing Jesus says, fasting is not, if you're following on your notes, is fasting is not self-righteous promotion. It is not self-righteous promoting, promoting one's own righteousness. By the way, if you want a good definition of religion, there it is, right? Self-righteous promotion, doing things in my life to impress others or to try to impress God, that's religion. And you know who hated religion? I love telling people this who aren't Christians. You know who hated religion? Jesus. Jesus hated it. He had no tolerance for people who were self-righteously promoting their acts of, of worship or whatever. And so we see Jesus addressing it right here. There's a little context I need to give you here. First of all, fasting was required one time a year by all the Jewish people on the Day of Atonement. That's when all the nation of Israel would fast. However, uh, there were some people who kicked that up a notch. And they decided what they're going to do is start fasting twice a week in order to kind of show how serious they were about this. And so the Pharisees started practicing on, uh, fasting on Mondays and Thursdays. And what they did, is not, it's not a matter of them fasting more often. That's a good thing. But what Jesus goes after here is how they did it, right? They did it in such a way that promoted the fact that they were fasting. And they would do that by letting their beards go all tangled. They wouldn't comb their hair. They didn't, wouldn't wash themselves. They wanted to make sure everybody knew exactly what they were doing. And Jesus says, guess what? Congratulations, you did it. Everybody knows you're miserable. Everybody knows you're fasting. You've gotten the reward you were seeking. Self-righteous promotion. However, fasting for Jesus' disciples is not to be about that. It is to be a practice that is done privately between a disciple and God. So he says, do what you would normally do on any other given day, right? I'm going to do this in my own version here. Take a shower, right? Put on deodorant, comb your hair, trim your beard. Don't Have the idea that you need to let everybody else know what you're doing because you don't. This is something you practice privately between you and your 
Father, not a way to promote yourself. Now, can this still happen in our lives today? Absolutely. Right? I mean, how tempting is it to let other people know how miserable I am? Like the martyr uh, in that verse. Sending out a mass email, that's great. You know, I just want you all to know I'm going to be fasting, so that's why I'm so angry and miserable. Or we can reverse it and we can promote ourselves by turning fasting into legalism. I'm doing it the right way and you're not. You're drinking juice? Are you serious? Well, that's not a true fast. I mean, a true fast is just distilled well water. I mean, we can just distort all this stuff where we miss the point of fasting. We turn it into self-righteous promotion. And Jesus says, no, that is not what fasting is. Second thing Jesus says is that fasting is not a way to manipulate God. It is not getting God to do what I want him to do. Sort of like forcing his hand, right? Well, God, I'm going to fast, so now you've got to respond likewise. Now, what makes this tough? What makes this really tough? Because we just read this passage. It says the father would love nothing more than to reward his children. But there is a very thin line between fasting specifically for God to do something in our lives, and we're going to talk about that. That is absolutely what we should do when we enter into a fast, right? We're seeking God. We're seeking for him to do something. However, very thin line between that and then manipulating that, demanding things from God, demanding that he does this or that. Fasting is not manipulating God to get him to do what I want. Number three, fasting is not punishment to gain God's favor. I already talked a little bit about this. There are some in the Christian tradition that teach we must punish ourselves for our sins, right? We really got to feel the weight of our sin. And, uh, you know, I've seen examples like there are some who wear like a device on their leg, right? And every time they sin, they like tighten it up a notch to increase the pain just to remind them uh, of the punishment uh, that Christ took upon themselves and that they must take upon now. Now, listen, we have all the favor we will ever get from God on the cross of Jesus Christ, His blood was poured out for us. He removed all our punishment. He removed all of our punishment. So fasting and things like that are not to be viewed as penance or penitence. Now, I'm not going to tell you, you might not view it as punishment when you first start trying it. It might feel like that, quite honestly. But it is not a way to earn God's favor. And then last but not least, we saw this in the video, fasting is not dieting. It is not dieting. Now, it's tempting to think of fasting as a great weight loss program, and i got to tell you, you do a, you do a search on Google uh, when you go home on fasting, you're going to get all kinds of sites pop up talking about the health benefits of fasting. And you know what? That's great. If you need to fast for some health benefits, if you need to eat healthier for some health benefits, do it. But what we're talking about here is the purpose of fasting as a disciple of Christ. And the purpose of fasting as a disciple isn't just to lose weight. It's not for physical reasons. It's for spiritual purposes. And that really uh, leads to what fasting is. Quite simply, I want to define it here now. Biblical fasting is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. It's abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. It always, in the Bible, centers on a spiritual reason, a spiritual purpose. And that's why in Matthew 6, Jesus says this is a private matter. Between you and God. Now there are going to be times. 
for corporate fasts, for public fasts. You can read about some of those in Scripture as well. And like I said, Jeff's going to kind of talk a little bit about that and maybe entering into that as a church together somehow leading up to Easter. But in Scripture, the normal means of fasting is that it's a private thing done between a follower of Jesus and God. So let me unpack that for a spiritual purpose. Let me unpack, further unpack, define what that means. Number one, there are three types of fasts found in Scripture. If you're on your notes, there are three types of fasts found in Scripture. They're called absolute, absolute, normal, and partial fasts. And if you have a little room there, you might want to define this. An absolute fast means, guess what? You take in absolutely nothing. No food, no water. This is what Jesus did for 40 days, right, as he was tempted in the wilderness. A normal fast is where you probably go without food for any length of time, but you do drink water and plenty of it, perhaps even some juice. And then a partial fast is uh, interpreted many different ways throughout, but it involves typically giving up specific foods or specific drinks for a, for a, t- for a time. And we see an example of that in Daniel, right? Daniel and his friends, they give up uh, the rich foods of Babylon and they eat only vegetables and wa- drink only water for a season in their lives. That's an example of a partial fast. So, besides food, question for you, will God ever call us to fast from other things? Absolutely. He absolutely will. He will call us to fast from those things that clutter our lives. I'm going to give you a few examples here what God might call us to fast from. And again, fasting is a calling. Right? It's not something you do. It's something you feel God is calling you to do. So number one, We may also need to fast from people. I know that sounds weird. All the introverts in the house say amen. (laughs) It's not just for introverts, though. This is called the discipline of solitude. It's getting alone with God. Getting alone with God. Removing yourselves from people in order to spend time with God. Now, I know I'm crazy, right? We live in America. I don't have time for that. I don't need that. Okay. Moses needed it. Elijah needed it. David needed it. Peter needed it. Paul needed it. Jesus needed it. Who am I to think that I don't need to get away from people sometimes just to be alone with my Father? It's that whole idea of Psalm 46, right? Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Speaking of being still, we may also need to fast, number two there, from media. Everybody gasp in horror here. This would be called the discipline of silence. Silence is uncomfortable. I know some of us in this room are enslaved to television probably, that if it would be taken away from us, we'd go through withdrawals. Like, what am I going to do tonight? Or think about just music today. We can have access to music anywhere we go, right? Our computers, at work, in our car, I work out, I've got a little iPod on my arm while I work out. I mean, horror of all horrors that I be anywhere where there's no noise. But how many of us have had this experience where you go off to, you go camping or you go to a camp or you do something like that and you come back after a week and you're like, God really spoke to me this week. And you get back into the hustle and bustle and noise of life, and God stops speaking, right? Wrong. We just stopped listening. And I'm 
here to tell you, you can take throughout your day, I mean, this doesn't have to be big things. Turn off the radio on the drive to work. You can fast from the media. You can fast from TV. I know families who have done this for a week together. At first, it was like, what are we going to do tonight? And pretty soon, they discovered they can actually have conversations and play games and do other things. Third thing I might mention, I think this deserves a separate category for us today. I know it does for me. It's why I'm including it, is our phones. Our phones. Phones today, would you agree, are just amazing instruments? We have computers in our hands. It's insane. However, they can also become instruments that control us, can't they? It is so tempting to always be, you know, oh, beep, got to check it. Ring, who is it? It's like that guy in that video. I think so many of us uh, have, that, ha- have that going on in our lives. I know this was, a, an, it was an issue for me, and so along with some of my accountability partners, I, I decided to try something where I, every time I got home at night after work, I would go plug my phone in my room and not look at it again until the kids went to bed. <gasps> and you know what? The world went on without me. My friends were okay with me not responding immediately to their texts. I love what Richard Foster uh, writes about this. He says, in our home, when we are having a meal together or when I am reading stories to my boys, we do not answer the telephone. You want to know why? I want those boys to know that they are more important than anything that can be on that machine. If it's important, they'll call or text back. You just try it sometime as an experiment. Just let it ring and monitor your own feelings. I'm going to miss the chance of a lifetime. I know you can't believe this, but people live for hundreds and thousands of years without that machine. If it's that important, they will call back. Now, those are just a few examples. Those are just three things. I mean, there could be endless things God might call us to fast from. Maybe a hobby that's just becoming so much a part of our lives, right? Maybe sh- shopping or, or money. or I mean, the list could go on and on. But the big idea behind all this is what Paul wrote about in Galatians 5, verse 1, where he said these words. Let's read these together. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Those things are neutral in and of themselves. Don't hear me saying your phone is bad. It's not. It's amazing. It can be used for good. However, would you agree, if we're not careful, good things like the phone can enslave us. And we stop experiencing the kind of freedom and joy I think that God really wants us to experience from Him. i got to tell you something right now. I've said this in all three services because I want you to hold me accountable for this. I felt like God might be calling me to fast from caffeine. I like coffee. A lot. I have it every morning, right? I mean, I, and it's just kind of been thinking about it and reminding me, like, I need it. No, I don't need it. I need the Lord. I need the Lord. That's the only thing I need. And fasting helps me separate what I want from what I need. And so uh, I'm going to do it. You hold me accountable for that. I don't know how much time I'm going to fast from it, but maybe one afternoon. <laughs> I know another question people ask about fasting as we keep defining it is, is it a commandment? Like, is this something we should do as disciples? And I would say to that, that's the wrong question. I don't like the word should, because if you mean by should that it's something that's conditional now upon your salvation, then absolutely not. The better question might be is, will this be something Jesus' disciples do? 
And really, there are two places, uh, there are more, but two places I want to mention that give the answer to that. The first one is right here in Matthew 6, right? Where Jesus says, when you fast, not if, but when you fast, he's kind of assuming this is a practice that we're going to take up in our lives. But another one, just three chapters later in Matthew 9, would you just turn there? should only be a few pages to your right if you still have Matthew 6 open. This is probably the most important text about whether we should still be fasting today as Christians. Matthew 9, we're looking at verse 14 15, but let's start by verse 14. Then John's disciples, and this is John the Baptist, came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not? So apparently, Jesus is not fasting with his disciples. And people are concerned about this. And so look at Jesus' response in verse 15. Let's read it out loud on our notes. Jesus, said, Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. If you're following on your notes, Jesus made it clear that his disciples will fast after he is gone. After he was gone, we will fast. Are we? Are we? Last thing as we define fasting, I just want to mention, because again, this is a question that's asked, how often, or how long should I fast? I mean, if I'm going to do this thing, how long should it be? And in the Bible, uh, again, just like the types of fast, we see a variety of answers to this. There are references to three-day fast, seven-day fast, 21-day fast, 40-day fast, half-day fast, 24-hour fast. I love the fact that there's not like one set in stone rule about how to fast because, you know, we love rules, don't we, as humans? And as soon as we would have a rule, we would jump on it and make a list and turn it into a religion, a religious practice. But there's no rules. Whether it's 40 days or a half day, you know what God cares most about when we enter into a fast? Our heart. Our heart, our motivation, why we're doing it. In fact, if you're following on your notes there, God is more concerned about our heart for fasting than the length. So don't compare. Don't say that's better than that. God is much more concerned about the heart you're bringing to him in your fast. And that really leads to the, question, the second question, which is why should we even do this? You're sitting here wondering, why should I really forego food or forego from any of those other kind of things? And to answer that, I'm going to say this. There is only one primary reason to enter into a fast. But out of that reason flows a multitude of other reasons. I know that might be confusing, but I think you're going to see what I mean here as we go along. We're going to see this, okay? But one primary reason, one primary reason to fast, and this is it. If you're following on your notes, the primary reason to fast is to draw closer to the Father, period. That's it. It's saying, God, I'm giving this up in order to draw closer to you. Pharisees were using fasting not as a means to draw closer to God. They were using it as a means for their own end. But according to Jesus, fasting for his disciples is to be all about pursuing, hungering after the Father. It's something we do for him and with him because we want more of him. I've thought of it this way. I put this on your notes. In fasting, we give up food 
to feast on God. That's, that's like a paradigm shift. We give up food to feast on God. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about to his disciples in John 4. You remember they go into the village to get some food they haven't eaten for a while. They come back and they're trying to get Jesus to eat and he has this cryptic response. I have food to eat that you do not know about. And I'm sure they're going, was he hiding Snickers in his pants or what? I mean, what is he? In fact, they go. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now listen, that's not just some clever metaphor. There's Jesus being all spiritual again. He really means that. He is being nourished and sustained by his connection, his relationship with his Father. He's giving him all that he needs to do his work of ministry in this world. He's not just given a metaphor. He means it. That's why he can say in Matthew 6, don't act miserable when you're fasting. Don't let everybody know what you're doing because point in fact, you're not miserable. You're feasting on the Lord. You are hungering after him and he is the one who can sustain you and give you joy and fill our lives with rivers of abundance. Fasting is awesome. You know why? It reminds us that we can live without everything except one thing. And that's the Lord. I can live without food. I can live without caffeine. I can live without TV. I can live without media. I don't need any of those things. What I need to sustain me in this life and in this world is God. And fasting is a way to center myself under that. It's to hunger after God. I love what John Piper writes in his book, Uh, A hunger for God. It's on the screen here. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. God did not create you for this. There is an appetite for God and it can be awakened. I invite you to turn from the dulling effects of food and the dangers of idolatry and to say with some simple fast, This much. Oh God, I want you this much. Fasting separates what we need from what we want. And the only thing we need is the Lord. However, I say all that. I say all of that, now I'm going to confuse you. Because this does not mean that when you enter into a fast, you shouldn't also have a specific purpose or reason for your fasting. You should absolutely be entering into a fast seeking God to do something. If you follow it on your notes, number two, in fasting, we also seek the Lord. That's the primary purpose, seeking the Lord just for himself for breakthrough in our lives. For breakthrough in our lives. I couldn't think of any better word than that. Fasting, quite simply, is a way for us to cry out to God I need you to do something in my life that I can't do on my own. Without your help, without you breaking through in this area of my life, I'm going to find myself in the same patterns. I'm going to find myself under the same oppression. I am seeking you to draw closer to you, but Lord, I need you to break through 
in this area of my life. This, by the way, is why prayer and fasting cannot be separated. They should be just linked in our minds, right? Prayer and fasting. Fasting and prayer, they go hand in hand together. You remember the story when Jesus goes away and the disciples try to heal the boy who was possessed by a demon and they are unable to do it. They are unable to do it. And confused by this, because they had been experiencing great things in their ministry, Jesus comes back and they ask him, why weren't we able to cast out that demon? And do you remember Jesus' response? Look at Mark 9.29. He says, so he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Friends, some things only happen by prayer and fasting. Some things in your life will only happen by prayer and fasting. I am willing to bet there's not one of us in this room this morning who isn't seeking God for some sort of breakthrough to happen in our lives. And fasting, along with prayer, might be exactly what is needed. It can bring breakthroughs in the spiritual realm that nothing else can. I like to think of it this way. I'm not a computer guy at all. But I do know every once in a while we have to defragment our computers. You know about that? Uh, Basically, defragmenting your computer clears away all the clutter and the junk that has been built up over time. But here's the other benefit of defragmenting. It enhances your computer's performance. I think of fasting as a very similar way, right? The first purpose of fasting is just to get the clutter out of my life and to draw closer to God. But the side benefit is that sometimes God takes that desire and breaks through, enhances our performance in life. It's a bad analogy. I know they always break down. But do you get the point? The primary purpose is to draw close to the Father. But there is no question that people have gone and sought after the Lord in fasting to see a breakthrough in their lives. Now you may be wondering, what is he talking about, breakthrough? What kind of things would I be seeking God after? Well, the list in the Bible uh, is numerous. I'm going to just mention five here. If you're following the first thing we can seek breakthrough from is what controls us. What controls us? I don't want to be Debbie Downer this morning, but I want to tell you, if you are a Christian, the Bible is very clear that we have three things warring against us. We have our flesh, which is constantly trying to pull us away from Christ. This is what Paul is talking about in Romans 7, right? I keep doing the things I don't want to do. What's that all about? It's my flesh, my earthly desires. We have an enemy called Satan who has come to steal and destroy the joy that we have in Christ. And then the third enemy the Bible talks about is the world. I'm not talking about the people of the world. I'm talking about the systems of the world, like the whole advertising thing that convinces me I need this, this, and this to be satisfied. And I got to say, I got to say, as we enter into that kind of war, fasting is one of the things that can help us have power over that, to control those things. In 1 Corinthians 6.12, look what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He's quoting them. This is what they were saying. I have the right to do anything. We're in Christ, right? We're free. I can do anything I want, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And right there, I will just say fasting is a great discipline to put in our lives. 
to make sure we are not being mastered by anything. It's going back to all the stuff I talked about before, right? Media, phones, television, money, food, drink, relationships. I will not be mastered by anything, and fasting helps us to control those things in our lives. I think of my desires like a river. We all have desires, and I think of it as a river, and if I'm not careful, the banks of my river can start to overflow in my life and cause irreparable damage and flooding, right? Fasting is a way to make sure the water is staying in the right channel. It's to make sure I'm keeping those things, by God's help and through his power, under control. Under control. You have been set apart as a holy instrument for God's purpose. I'll say that again. If you are in Christ, he has now set you apart in this world to be a holy instrument transformed into Jesus' likeness. The question is we face every day, every hour. Do I really believe that? Do I really believe what he offers is better than whatever else this world could offer? Second, and very closely related to this first one, we can also seek breakthrough from sin, from sin in our lives. And again, the biblical examples of people fasting in repentance of sin, I could go on and on here. I already mentioned the people of Nineveh, right? I mean, think about that. As pagan as you could come, what did they do? In repentance of their sin, they fasted. They fasted corporately. Nehemiah called the nation of Israel to a corporate fast in repentance of their sin. Daniel, this one always boggles my mind, he fasts on behalf of other people. He repents for the nation of Israel. Fasting and repentance go hand in hand, friends. Again, it is not a way to earn God's forgiveness. Only the blood of Jesus Christ does that. However, it is a way to show God how serious we are about wanting to put a that sin to death in our lives. Can I just be honest with you? There are some sins in my life that unless God intervenes and breaks through, I'm just going to fall back in the same pattern. Same habit over and over. The same patterns over and over again, right? I need God to break through. Are you experiencing that? Are you caught in bondage to the same sin over and over again, wondering why I confessed, I said I'm sorry, why do I keep falling into this again and again and again? Some things only happen by prayer and fasting. Some things only happen by prayer and fasting. Can I just tell you something, too, I've learned that I don't like about fasting? I might not enter into a fast um, for any particular sin that I'm repenting of, but what I've noticed is Almost immediately, within the, you know, the first meal I miss, something like pride or anger or bitterness or jealousy starts to rise to the surface of my life. And for a while there, I just kind of put that off to like, I'm hungry. I mean, of course, I'm just mad about things. But what I've come to see is God will take your fasting and sometimes bring to surface those sins that we're not even aware of. Steve, you've got a spirit of pride in you right now. You need to deal with that. Well, I've, I'm stuffing that down in my life. But through fasting, he helps raise that up to the surface. Or I just find myself really anger, angry in the middle of a fast. It's not just an excuse because I'm hungry. There might be something deeper going on in my heart right there. All right, so those are a couple of things we can fast from in order to see breakthrough. Let me tell you three things we can fast for. There's more, but here's three specific ones. We can fast for healing. Healing. 
I'm talking about physical healing. I'm talking about emotional healing. I'm talking about relational healing. Let me ask you, do you want things to change in your home? Some things only happen through prayer and fasting. Do you have an illness and a disease that you've been battling with? Is there a broken relationship in your life? And you've tried every human method you can think of. Some things will only happen through prayer and fasting. Is there a spirit of oppression over your life right now? Have you prayed? Have you fasted? Have you cried out to God to see breakthrough in your life? Again, this is very dangerous here because what we're not doing is manipulating God to get him to do something for us, right? God is still sovereign. He is still in control. What we are doing is crying out to him, though, God, unless you intervene, unless you break through in this area in my life, there is no hope. Most of you know I have a kidney disease, and uh, if things keep going the way they go, uh, I'm going to have to get a transplant, and you know what? That might be God's solution to healing in my life. However, you better believe I'm going to pray and fast, that he breaks through in a miraculous way in that. How about you? Are there some things you'd love to see God break through in your life healing-wise? Another thing we can fast for, if you're following there, is for lost loved ones. Lost loved ones. I'm talking about children, family, friends, acquaintances that don't know the Lord. Do you pray for them regularly? I think you probably do. I think you probably do. Do you fast for them regularly? Some things can only happen by prayer and fasting. I dare you. And again, God is in control. You're not forcing his hand here, but I dare you to write down the names of loved ones you've been praying for. And then fast for them as well, specifically. See what God might do. Be expectant in your fast. Don't just give up hope. Seek the Lord for a breakthrough in their lives. Last here, another thing we might seek breakthrough in in fasting is for guidance. Guidance. I mean, are you ever needing wisdom? Do you ever need direction for a decision you might be praying about or, or, or deciding? Have you tried prayer and fasting? Have you tried fasting? Have you tried to seek God in this way that he might answer you? The biblical examples of people doing this, again, is so numerous. My favorite is Queen Esther, who called a fast for the people of Israel so that she could have guidance and wisdom when she went and spoke on behalf of the people to the king. If Jesus didn't need to fast in order to prepare himself for the ministry, do you think he would have? Do you think he was like, ah, oh, I just, this looks like a good idea. I'll just not eat for 40 days. Fun. No, he knew he needed God's guidance, his father's guidance, the father's strength, the father's power to go through what he had been called to go through. How about you? Should you take that job? Should you marry him? Should you marry her? Are you praying together uh, for something in your life as a family, for guidance, for wisdom, direction? Pray, yes. But perhaps God might call you to fast for that as well. Those are just some of the reasons we might fast. Just some. But again, they are all secondary to the primary reason, which is we fast to seek the Lord. We fast to know him more. That's why I don't think it's any accident, just 15 verses later in chapter 6 here, Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says these famous words. Let's read them out loud on our notes together. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
That's it. Seek him first. Seek him first in your fast. And then everything else you need, not necessarily want, everything else you need will be given unto you. As we close and prepare to worship through singing uh, this morning, here's my question for you on your notes. Is it my heart's desire to draw closer to the Father? You and you alone can answer that for yourself. I mean, is that really it? Is that really what you want in your heart of hearts, in the depth of your soul? I want to know you more, Lord. If it is, I know you're all wrapping up, but if it is, perhaps he might be calling you to reclaim, to reclaim the gift of fasting. And if you do, his promise, we just saw it in Matthew 6, is that your father, who is unseen but sees what is done in secret, will reward you. He will reward you. Believe it. Believe it. Let's pray. Lord, we want to seek you. We want to know you more. We want to hunger after you. We want to feast upon you as your people, as your disciples. And we thank you, Lord. One of the ways we can do that is through this gift of fasting. It is not a burden. It is a gift because it reminds us the one thing we need most is you. So Lord, I pray that you would raise us up this morning. Give us a sense of joy and anticipation of what you might want to do and how you might want to break through in our lives. But remind us over and over again, the way, reason we do that is not to impress you or to impress others, to earn favor, to manipulate you. The reason we do it is simply to draw closer to you. And that's what we want, Lord. Everyone who agrees with this says, Amen.